Tom Ross Barry. Ah, Matt Boyle. How are you doing? Yeah, not too be- bad. <laughs> not too really bad. Not I thought you were going to break out into too... some some jazz scat on me then. I'm very well, yes. No complaints. Good. I'm glad. Is it also very warm where you are right now? It, it is very warm. This is what we do when we haven't podcast for a while. We talk about the weather, don't we? We do. I mean, to be fair, though, <laughs> it is very, very warm at the moment. Um, is. Which is why, you know, we thought it would be a great idea in this sunny weather. Uh, perhaps, you know... One of only three sunny days not getting Denmark this year to sit down in front of a microphone and talk about some video games. Because that's Funk. what we do. It's long overdue. Exactly. <laughs> it's Tom and Matt Attack. Yeah, I can't. I can't do my usual. You're right, because I've already asked you that in the intro. See, this is rust. This is the rust. That yeah, I but need okay. To... So I'll ask you, Matt. Are you all right? Yeah, I'm. I'm not too bad. I've just had eight million things on the go. Um, You've been a very busy boy just lately, hence the lack of podcasts. Yeah, no. It, it's been. It's been kind of. It's been very nice, but also kind mm. of like, oh, I want to sit down and do some podcasts and play some video games, which I've not been able to do. Yeah. So we went, like, admittedly, what, five minutes after we stopped recording last week, I was like, oh, crap, actually, no, I won't be here next week. I'm going to London. Yeah. So we did that, and then we had guests, and then we had some other stuff going on, and then it it just ended up being more weeks than I had expected, which is a shame, because... But that's nice, because we don't, you know, we don't have to stress about the podcast. Um we enjoy doing it. We like putting it out there for you guys to listen to. But uh, if you didn't know by now, we're not always very consistent. <laughs> no, I mean that. That, to be fair, is a shame. I do. I do not like that we are inconsistent anymore. I do. I do find it not frustrated because I. I know that there are several other podcasts that I personally listen to that are inconsistent. But I do always like going. Okay. Monday is the day, yeah. for example, I will listen to Dear Hank and John. Tuesday is the day I will listen to X. You well, know, like again, it, as, as we've said in the past, if you do like listening to this podcast and listen to it regularly, we'd love to hear from you. Exactly. You know, this, because uh, otherwise, you know, we'll be as inconsistent as <laughs> we currently well, uh, are. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that is a thing. Like, obviously, I can I can see the number of people who listen to this podcast, which is you know is affirming that there are people listening and that we are doing a Mm. relatively good job at doing this. But at the same time, we never really hear from any of you. Yeah, it's hard to know if we're doing a good job or not. We just keep keep trucking on. And uh, it's always a pleasure. What was that really loud? Suddenly my uh, microphone's gone really loud. Really? That's a shame. Hopefully it doesn't pick up on this podcast, but I'm going to keep rolling. Um, (laughs) Because that's the kind of editor I am. No, I mean, obviously, I other than the usual at um, TMACast on Twitter. If you're not on Twitter, you can email us at tomamattack at gmail.com. Um, I don't think we really publicize that email address that often, but it does uh, exist. It we exists, all oh, right, days. okay. Yeah, I can check that. I have access to it. So, so Lovely. Do that instead. Let us know. 
But what are we here to talk about, Matt? There's been an awful lot of gaming news lately. There has. Have you managed to keep abreast of it all? Yes, Good. pretty much. Because <laughs> I've much. kind of like been so, so what busy. Do you, as, uh, I, I tell you what we'll do. We'll start this off with uh, what do you know, Matt? What do I know? Mm, that's happened right. recently. Um, in in the Socratean fashion, I have to admit that I know nothing. Um, and you know that how can how much can any of us really know? But when I'm not being ridiculously deep and facetious, I know at least that there is going to be three parts of the Final Fantasy VII remake. Um, we will be getting a Crisis Core, which is a PSP game featuring Zack, Cloud's protege, not protege. How would you, companion how, colleague? Companion colleague. Um, Victim I don't of really identity know, theft. Know... There are many ways to describe it. I know nothing about Final <laughs> Fantasy. This is the podcast that is going to be I know nothing. It's solidified. Um, yeah, so I know that there's some Final Fantasy stuff happening. I know that Final Fantasy 16 should be coming out relatively, like, not imminently, because I know Crisis Core's out by the end of the year, but I think. Do they say 16 is going to be next year uh, uh, as well? To tell you the truth, I haven't really been following Final Fantasy oh. news. I saw it all. I, wa- I watched everything. I thought that... I- was there a trailer of Final Fantasy 16 at some part of this so coverage? I, honestly, mate, it is all a blue. There was so much news that I was just like, what is happening? I, I remember seeing news. a trailer with a lot of... Um, what are they called? Summons. Yes. Yes, yeah, so um, I recall that, and I recall thinking, Ooh, that looks very impressive. And then um, I saw the Square Enix Final Fantasy 25th anniversary stream, and I, yeah. I saw that the second part of the Final Fantasy VII remake is to be called Rebirth. Yes. And it seems to me very much doing an Evangelion, uh, yes, retelling the so. same story, uh, but uh, changing things considerably. Yes, well, spoilers for the end of Final Fantasy VII Remake. Yeah, they're doing an Evangelion. Mm, yeah. It's all, it's all I will say. Which seems to be a bit of a trend. Yeah, it, it does. I mean... Right. It gives fair, people who, who are familiar with it something new to... Oh, no, 100%. Twist. So it kind of... There are... For, for the most part, Final Fantasy VII Remake is a... Almost one-to-one, but made with, like, improvements of Final Fantasy VII up until a point. Yeah. There's, For example, there's these weird ghost things flying around that you're not really sure about um, that weren't in the original. And you're like, okay, are these the Sethiroth clones? What's going on? Um, and then it is revealed at the end of that game that, essentially, Sethiroth is kind of trying to fuck with the established order of the Final Fantasy VII timeline because he died and he's an echo of himself, come back or something. It's been a while since I played that game, but essentially, by the end of that game, they have done the Evangelion, like, rip the curtain apart and just be like, forget yeah. all you know about Final Fantasy VII. Th- this is new ground. This is going to do mm. new things. Who knows if Eris is going to die? Who knows if you're going to meet all these other characters? Like, it is completely open. I mean... Let's be honest, you're going to meet all those other characters. I mean, Vincent and Yaffe, I think, are in the... Um, retrograde. Retrograde. So, yeah, I assume you will. But, Everything's going to begin with R. Yes, that is definitely a theme. Remake, Rebirth. Retrograde. I think... Uh, I can't retrograde. remember what the name of the third one is. But there is no name. Not. There hasn't been... Um, there's no name for the no, third no, one. No. Um, resolve or something, I don't know. Resolution. 
Uh, sort of doing a bit of Matrix, doing a bit of a Matrix there, really. Has he copied the Matrix uh, naming system? No, you know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see the Matrix renovations. <laughs> sort of like a... Uh... Keanu Reeves building a house in the Matrix. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Then they, they all begin with R, just like Matrix, yeah? Yeah, that's true. I wonder if they took reference from that. Hmm. Who knows? Uh, the um, Crisis Core remake is called... Re- no, it's called Reunion. Yeah. Yes. So we've got Rebirth yeah. for Part 2, Crisis Cause Reunion. Yeah. I See, I did I did watch I did watch the live stream. See, this is good. Look at you doing putting in the hours, Tom Parry. Uh so I... so was were you excited by those announcements? I mean for sure. I liked Crisis Core. I thought Crisis Core was a very good game. Hmm. Um did you ever so, expect they'd they'd go to this length uh, and actually remake the game as opposed to just porting something? I mean, no and yes. I mean, given Square's seeming obsession with just churning out remakes and remasters of old games as of late, um, be that to people's surprise and delight with things like the Kingdom Hearts collection or to their dismay, like apparently the Chrono Cross port is very lazy and not very good. It's just a one-to-one port of the PS1 game with all the problems that game had. Like, this has been a pattern for them of just re-releasing old stuff. It seems... They they seem very reluctant to put out new things. I can't really... Other apart than from Kingdom Final Heart, Fantasy sixteen. Yeah, apart from Final Fantasy sixteen and Kingdom Hearts 3, I cannot really think of a, wow, Square's putting out a big what, new uh, game. Dragon Quest... Dragon Quest, that was years ago. Yeah, but still, that was. Is it that? <laughs> al- no, Tom, I think that's almost eight years at this point. Since no, not Quest not. Came out or twelve? Sorry. Is it? Dragon Quest twelve. I don't know if it's that long. I'm gonna tell you. Oh, well, originally in Japan, perhaps. Did I mean, originally for even the the PlayStation four, like game's been out a long time. Oh, actually, it isn't. Oh, was the last one not dubbed as... Oh, okay, so the last one wasn't dubbed as 12. The last one was 11. Apologies. I forgot the 10 was the online one. I thought it was 11, but that's Final Fantasy, obviously. Um, Dragon Quest 11 came out, Tom Parry. Um, it's first revealed in 2015. It came out in 17, so that game is still... Okay, that's a fair few years, years old, but maybe they've been busy with Final Fantasy... Uh, t- what's the one that's online? Fourteen. Fourteen. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, no new Nia game. They they re-released um, the original Nia. But didn't that take some work to sort of? Because it wasn't I mean, yeah, just sure a port it it's of not the a one-to-one PS3 port, game. But I mean, yeah. it's still a remake of an old game rather than a new entry in the Nia franchise. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, sure. Sure. It it's a theme for them, is all I'm trying to say. Is yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're slightly disappointed, but you're at the same the, time. Yeah, interested. I mean, I'll play it. Like every this is the thing. It's like Chrono Cross. Like everyone's like, oh my god, it's a lazy port of a PS1 game. I'm like a PS1 game that I never got to play because it never bloody came out in this country. So I'm happy well, with it. Well, this is the thing. Obviously, they're giving a lot of their focus to Final Fantasy VII and therefore maybe not spending as much time on everything else, like Chrono Cross, perhaps. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, given the fact that they just sold off all of their Western studios as well, like your <laughs> Crystal Dynamics and everything else. They know where the money is. It's they know Final where the Fantasy money is, VII. obviously, but also, like, 
I still can't help but think that they will still sell to Sony at some point. It's kind of my feeling. Really? And I, wonder I, th- I think we are... think this a lot about game studios, but it doesn't always happen how we think it's going to happen. Take no, Sega, for instance. How many rumours have there been about Sega and Microsoft, you know, and all those sort of things? I mean, how how little rumours were there about Bethesda? Like, mm. you know, actually that. And Activision. Stuff just happens. Yeah. I mean, always Activision Blizzard to Microsoft also. Like, these things just come out of the blue sometimes. Yeah. Okay, I mean, so you predict that might happen with Square I'm, Enix? I don't know. I'm not... If I would look at their out, their output and what they are doing... I mean, obviously, Square Enix has got his fingers in many pies. Also, they also have a manga division. Like there is a Square, like much like there is Monthly Shonen Jump. Square Enix puts out manga and stuff in Japan. They are not just a video game company. They are kind of multimedia at this hmm. point. They also fund animes. Who knows? Let's yeah. See. So perhaps this is them just putting all their eggs into the Final Fantasy VII basket to sort of keep Square Enix sort of going. Uh, Potentially, Perhaps. it could also just them being smart as business people and saying, hey, these are the things that we know we should invest in. Actually, for us, making manga or making anime that actually requires little to no investment in comparison to a video mm-hmm. game that takes multi-years and millions yeah. of staff to develop, it's probably a smarter business it's, it's, for them. Yeah, new business maybe strategy. We, maybe we see them do a Konami, honestly. Maybe we see them move out of video games or divest mainly from that area entirely and pursue other things. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, so were you interested to hear that uh, Rebirth doesn't currently have a planned PS4 release? No, I wasn't, and I kind no. of assumed it. To be honest yeah. with you, I think that Final Fantasy VII Remake would have probably been better off if it had just been a PS5 game. So, so yeah, it makes sense at this point, you know, because that would often be the catalyst to wanting to buy a new console. Oh, I need to buy it to get this game. Yeah. You know, there's people I know who don't have um, PS5s who love Final Fantasy and will really be wanting to continue that series of games, the, the yeah. remake series, uh, who may just buy a PS5 for that. You know, so I imagine yeah. uh, it's good for Sony as well. I'm sure, but then again, like I think this leads into the the speculation that they may be purchased by Sony at some point. Mm. That said, I mean, Retrograde is PS5 only. That's why I've never played Retrograde because it came out at a time where I couldn't play it. so Sure. Depends how willing you are to part with the capture of PS5, even yeah. if you really do love Final Fantasy. Yeah. I mean, I certainly would have. I mean, I was very desperate to play Retrograde, so much to the fact mm. that I almost spent an extra 200 quid on a PS5 at one point and then thought, no, what the hell am I doing? This is ridiculous. Yeah. So, well, Final Fantasy fans, though, uh, they can play Crisis Core on other systems like the PS4 and the Nintendo Switch even. They will be able to, yeah, which is great because the only way to play it currently is to own a PSP. I believe it's not even on the Vita store to backwards. No, I think PC as well is probably... um, I think that's the same for Final Fantasy, isn't it? I'm not sure. Uh, Square seemed to be porting stuff to PC also, so there's a good chance you'll be able to play these games on PC. I mean, uh, let's be honest, a lot of Japanese developers seem to see the mm. worth importing stuff to PC mm. these days, which makes sense, obviously, because then you get outside of the console infrastructure and you Absolutely. Can it's, it's a bit of, it's, world. It's a bit of a must, isn't it? It is. It so, seems like these days. Speaking of RPGs, how happy are you to hear the news that uh, Persona games are being ported to different systems and uh, Persona 3 Portables getting a re-release? I would I would have preferred that they would have 
released a better version of Persona 3, if I'm totally honest. Rather um, than the cut-back portable version of Persona 3. Yes. Because it's not um, quite as fully featured, is it, as the console version, it is not, PS2 it is version? Not as fu- it is not as fully featured as the original release of Persona 3, let alone mm. FES, I okay. think it's called. The, it's an odd the choice, kind of. What's that? Yeah, it, it seems like. But I, I think... If I look at it, because Persona 3 Portable is the one that's available on the Vita, so mm. chances are the work has already gone into getting that to work on something else, and so they were like, okay, this is the one we port. Mm-hmm. I I thought it was a bit of an odd choice. I would preferred it to have been Persona 3 FES, because that is the one that everyone has told me is the version of Persona 3 to play. It's also yeah. ridiculously expensive. It's like a 200 quid PS2 game, so... So that's slightly disappointing. It is, but to be honest with you, I don't really care because the one I really want to play and actually sit down and play on a home console is uh, Persona 4 Golden, um, and that's what we're getting. I think it's going to be great that those are released on broader consoles. Absolutely. Was there anything else um, that you heard announced that really got you excited Um... over the last few weeks? I've got to think about it, to be honest with you, because, mm. I mean, for me, the main news that kind of trickled up to me was the Final Fantasy news, obviously, for yeah. various reasons, and I play Final Fantasy fourteen online, so I, I chat to people a lot about Final Fantasy. I, honestly, I've, I've seen all of the news. I mean, I've seen things like Starfield, which, you know, Bethesda stuff doesn't really appeal to me. I was like, okay, that looks kind of interesting. To me, it looks like No Man's Sky meets Fallout type yeah. game. Which, to be fair, sounds kind of imp- appealing, but I, I do hmm, Sorry. Yeah, go on. No, sorry. I was, I was just going to say there was a heavy emphasis on the gunplay in that, that it almost looked like a more traditional first-person shooter in parts. It actually yeah. reminded me of Cyberpunk uh, slightly in, in the shooting uh, sense. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely see what you mean about that. Hmm. I I can also see the Bethesda in what I saw though. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You yeah. know, and like Clearly. that's never really appealed to me. I know that you like Fallout and everything else, but like the closest I got to delving into that was Skyrim, and even that felt a bit too janky for me. Yeah. So yeah. I, so I so what that wasn't the game of the show for you because people have been I've seen it out there on the internet. People have been saying so. What was the big heavy hitter? And a lot of saying, well, it was probably meant to be Starfield. That was probably the big game. But the fact that they're saying probably, and no one's really quite sure, that it just goes to prove there probably wasn't anything that really knocked everyone's socks off at uh, this year's equivalent of E3. Well, I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? It's that it's kind of a weird amalgamation of what would have been E3, but everyone's trying... Without a central lightning rod like E3, everyone is just kind of screaming into the void now. And I'm mm. actually curious to see. I know there's lots of releases. I know, obviously, COVID has had a knock-on effect on a lot of video game development. If next year there will be a more unified showing. Because I think it's all well and good. you going, yeah, we're going to do a state of play. Yeah, we're going to announce these games when we want to. Yeah, but there was no God I, of War Ragnarok, was there? There was no God of War Ragnarok at this show. Like, there was nothing in terms of big Halo things. No, it's, like... it's Halo sort of sort of fizzled out a little, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. 
they're still providing new content for the multiplayer side of things, but otherwise, isn't there wasn't there meant to be co-op introduced into Halo Infinite? Oh, that's what I heard. Yeah, I don't know if it's happened yet or not. Yeah, but uh, okay, we had Forza uh, Eight, or as it's not Forza Eight, is it? It's Forza uh, Motorsport, which was uh, a very good-looking game. Trailer was very nice. Uh, fans of the series, uh, I'm sure, are going to lap that up. Yeah. Uh, so, so that was that was strong for Microsoft, but they didn't show Fable, which they hinted at. And you see, you have to wonder why bother hinting if they're not going to show anything. That people tend to show these little CG trailers so early now. Yeah. And then they sort of disappear for a while. <laughs> yeah. Which seems to be what's happened with uh, Fable. Yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things, isn't it? It's also that um, that game Capcom announced a couple of years ago. Exoprimal? Exoprimal, yeah. It's just like no one's seen hair or tail of these things since Oh, that... no, it's, it was that on the Capcom showcase. Was it really? Yeah, they, they had quite a big focus on Exoprimal on Capcom's showcase, along with the uh, Resident Evil 4 remake, uh, Resident Evil Village Gold Edition, Street Fighter 6. I mean, for me, that was a highlight of the coverage of last year. Street Fighter 6 looked good. I don't think Exoprimal is the one I'm thinking of. I'm okay, talking sorry. about that weird Kojima sorry. space sci-fi game. Yeah, that was yeah, that's I can't it. That, the name of. That's a similar story to Fable. They show some trailer and then this just disappeared. Yeah. yeah. Pragmata is the name of the game that I was looking for. That's just been like, okay, yeah. cool, we put that out and yeah. then it's disappeared. So yeah, Capcom had some interesting announcements. I think there was something like Dragon's Dogma as well that was uh, brought up at one point. Yeah, there's a Dragon Dogma. There's a Dragon's Dogma two coming. Mm. I didn't play the first. You didn't play. I didn't either. This is the thing. Dragon's Dogma sort of passed me by completely, but it was reasonably popular. Yeah, no, for sure. Honestly, like if I, if I really, really think about it, I'd probably say Street Fighter Six is the most interesting thing that I saw this show, other than obviously new Final Fantasy stuff. Like, I like. Have you have you watched any of like the people talking about the game afterwards and saying that it's going to have like a more accessible mode that sounds? I've in my sk- head... I skipped a lot of that to be fair. Uh, okay, I it watched sounds... the trailers, but yeah. it sounds like it's going to kind of be like the Dragon Ball Arc Systems games, where you can kind of like you have easy inputs, right? Um, Not new for the fighting genre. I mean, no, as, you, as it... you mentioned, Dragon Ball there, yeah, yeah, but also I've a few that compared to the. The thing in is it Capcom versus SNK two? They did that game where essentially they simplified all the inputs. Oh, I remember. Yes, I remember what you're talking about now. But I, oh yes, easy operation on yeah. Capcom versus SNK two on the uh, GameCube and the Xbox. I think yeah, they were titled EO. Yeah, or maybe even just the GameCube version. And and I remember you could just move the C stick on the GameCube and. Uh, I think it was both Xbox and GameCube had that. Yeah, mode. they've put they've put simple controls is what they call it, or modern controls in Street Fighter Six. Do you know what I prefer just to uh, sort of have less uh, fancy meters because that's what always gets me with fighting games. As much as I love them, sometimes I'm like, gee, I don't understand them. There seems to be more than enough in terms of this meter and that meter, and you can do that at this time. And I'm like, I, 
you know, I just want to play a fighting game. That's probably why um, just lately I've just been going back to Dead or Alive because yeah. right there is a, Dead or Alive Two specifically, simple, solid, fun. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I I can give or take meters. Like there was um, there's a new character in Street Fighter Six who seems like a drunken master type mm-hmm. character. A feud compared to the one from Virtual Fighter, where he has levels Shun. of drunkenness, and then once you like drink four beers or whatever he's drinking, well, at, beers in inverted commas, he gets everyone. Everyone's got one. King yeah. of Fighters has got one, as you mentioned. Virtual Fighter, Dead or Alive, Brad Wong. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, there's never been a meter associated with it, though. In the same way, there seems to be with this. Uh, right? No, I, I think there is something in in in, in sort of one game. That's what you I think. Virtual drunk. Fighter, I think, is that you have a meter because definitely Brian yeah. and DOA doesn't have one. Brad, yeah. Brad, Ugh. it's all right. It's... Brian's te- it's confusing, isn't it? Brian, so Brian in Tekken, because uh, um, what's his name? Lei Wulong, is it from Tekken? The Jackie Chan one doesn't he have some drunken boxing in his repertoire? I think so. It's been way too long <laughs> since I played that game. But Street Fighter Six looks great. I mean, I, I like the um, direction they've taken the visuals in. Yeah. I think part of me still would like to see a really polished 2D Street Fighter again, you know, with uh, vector, high-resolution vector graphics, uh, similar maybe to Streets of Rage uh, 4, something like that. Because I've seen the Streets of Rage 4 team, I think Liz Cube had done a version of Ryu in their yeah. style. And I was like, well, yeah, that's that's pretty nice. Because there seems to be, whenever we, they have a new sort of like 2D game, a lot of studios like to go down the pixel route, go for that retro aesthetic. And I think nowadays what I want to see more of is more vector. Like same when Rayman Origins came out. Yeah. Wow, that was that was just so cool. Anyway, I don't mind what they're doing with Street Fighter. I think it looks, looks very nice. And I'm intrigued to see how their sort of open world... Uh, element to the game works to me this seems a bit like a, a fancy lobby for meeting other people and fighting but at the yeah. same time i am hoping they have a more traditional lobby for those who don't necessarily want to to, to try that mode it's i mean i'm the sure they will like Arc yeah systems i think they will did this didn't they where arc systems had like a weird like lobby system uh, dragon ball system. fighters has a weird lobby thing yeah yeah and yeah other art games like um Blaze Blue uh, Cross Tag has something. Yeah. Yeah. Similar, very similar. Okay. So, honestly, like, we've talked for 25 minutes. <laughs> we talked 15 minutes, kind of like, about Square and Final yeah. Fantasy yeah. Remake, which is clearly where my passions lie. And then we spent 10 minutes going, like, I guess there was some stuff announced. <laughs> So, what does that tell you, Tom Parry, about the state of E3 and the state of video game announcements? Um, I don't know. There was quite a lot in there, but there, I mean, I can think of some other things like um, Last of Us remake, uh, Stray, the game with the cat on PlayStation. To be fair, I will buy Stray. Yeah. That there were there was quite a lot of stuff. I just think, as you said before, it's a way it was delivered. It sort of felt messy. It wasn't in our traditional E3 type. But E3 for a while has been like separate uh, studios doing their own mini presentations. Yeah, but it's kind of 
I don't know. I don't know if it's because the emphasis on showing stuff hasn't been there. And admittedly, right, like I saw a lot of studios come out and say, this takes us a lot of time and effort to do this demo build because this is not really the game. Like, this is us preparing a vertical slice of the game just to show for this. This causes extra stress and strain on our developers. We're not going to do it. Hmm. And that, I think, is commendable. I think as we move away from people just making essentially like snippets of games to show at things like this, it will take time to adjust to like, okay, they're going to do it for state of play. The games that are ready at that time will be shown. Mm. And as as you already said, I think it is about not doing the hoo hoo fable oh pragmata approach. So it's probably a, it's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, it's I, a good I think thing so in the long yeah. Is that you you know, you don't have like three years to stress about puddles in Spider Man as a result of that. Because you just you see a game when it's ready, you see things, you can I mean like look at um Blood and Thunder, is that what it's called? The new Thor film. Thor film, yeah. The Thor film. <laughs> it it was they released a trailer like what, last month? Uh, the movie's I coming recall. out in like next month? Right, yeah. I can live with that. I don't need to be like... To know years in advance that something's coming. Yeah, just say it's in the works. That's all because you need you're going to gonna get a sort of like Metroid situation or a Bayonetta situation where, you know... Where it's bordering <laughs> on ridiculous, where you're just like, okay, where is Bayonetta 3? That game is an awesome We're going to show a CG video of a logo. Yeah. Just do it. That's all you yeah. need to do. Do the Disney thing. Go like, hey, cool. This is what we have to show you at the moment. These are the people involved in these projects. We're going to interview them. We're going to talk about it a little bit. This is great, isn't it? We're working on Bayonetta 3. The team's really excited. Here's a logo. That's all you need to do. And just be like, cool, this is in the works. And if it right, isn't but, at some yeah. point, we'll tell you it isn't. Because video games at the moment have this awful thing of transparency where they're like, yeah, we're going to reveal something. But video games are difficult to make, and so maybe it takes like five, six, seven years in worst case scenarios. I mean, Pokemon took like ten years to make that game, but no one knew about it, so it didn't really matter. Yeah, and no one's going to pick away at uh, early builds of the games if they don't show them. You know, that that's also the thing. If they they're showing a game that's in a certain stage of its development, it doesn't that necessarily represent what it's going to be like when it comes out so they can avoid doing that as much i'm sure uh starfield probably needs some work but it did seem quite uh fully formed in the yeah and it's not out for another year is it or something no i don't think so i i've heard some rumors based on like from other podcasts where people have put leaks about starfield which is perhaps why they felt they needed to show it where apparently the game is pretty much done but mm. the the flying and some of the bits that are actually you know the space bits that will make it a game aren't particularly yeah. great maybe they're also trying to avoid the whole cyberpunk backlash like fallout 5 essentially launched yeah. in a re- or 4 fallout 4, 4 and we yeah, yeah, yeah fallout yeah. 4 launched in a really awkward janky way so i think that there's maybe something to that like of them trying to take the time to polish it as much as they possibly can before they release it I don't know, man. Like, I I see it both ways. Because yeah. I think that, obviously, there are millions of podcasts, much like this one that we're on now, 
who need something to speculate about, who need like, mm-hmm, oh, mm-hmm. will we see, you know, Resident Evil 9 at these things? Are they going to do an iPhone and just skip 8 entirely and make a new Resident Evil game this Well, so they have done 8. Yeah, no, I know. Village. Okay. You just use. <laughs> yeah, I'm just using this as an example. Like, like, are they going to do all these wild, crazy things for people to speculate about? Because I think that while that is obviously it creates demand and yeah. it creates hype for these things, the fact that I will be looking at Square Enix's Twitter account for the next like inevitable four years before they release whatever the rebirth for like, oh look at that. Oh look! Oh, it's that area. Oh, oh, is obviously something that keeps me interested in a consumer in a, a media cycle that is essentially like, look, new shiny thing every day. What, 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 what? So there is some benefit to that, but I think if you want people to care about your things and for announcements not to just feel like a drop in the bucket that this year's E three felt like, kind of need to do it in a more meaningful way, and I think. By going to something like the Disney... I mean, it's a bloody investor call for Disney, so maybe that's not the right strategy, but you know what I mean. Doing something like an event around it where you are just talking about these announcements with the people who are making the thing, show a logo, go, cool, this is our rough timeline at the moment, but obviously things are suspect to change. If we cancel these, we'll tell you about it. It takes some of that 24-hour news feel that sometimes video games coverage has out of it. Yeah. But I think it's just better for everyone. But I, 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 I don't think we as a society function that way. And maybe that's just me being like an utopia, utopian yeah. idealist. Like I don't want to be on my phone twenty four seven looking for video game coverage. No, that, that's fine. You know, uh, it's if it if it just appears out of the blue, no problems. Uh, it, it was quite interesting to see how quickly the Turtle Shredder's Revenge was released. You know, that was a bit of a surprise, wasn't it? It was. I mean, same with Neon White. Like, um, a game I've been very much playing and enjoying this week. Like, these games have been announced and gone, cool, this is coming out quite soon. Here you go. Great, do that. Like, have a a period where I can get hyped about something, by all means. I just, I don't need it to be, like, seven years. I don't need it to be something in the... Is it going to be coming out soon? A year? I have no idea. I know, I'm pretty sure, like I said, that 16 is out next year. I know Crisis Core is currently scheduled for winter this year. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. I'll I'll be very happy if I see it in 2024. It's probably going to be 2025. Who knows what the fucking state of the world will be in by then, Tom Parry. Eh. So you say you mentioned Neon White there. Can you explain a little bit about what that is? Yeah, yeah I can. So I, you know me, like we've kind of talked about this on the podcast before. It has become harder and harder as time has gone by, not only to find time to do this podcast I really enjoy, but also for me to find video games that I feel are bringing something new to the table or doing something I don't think I've necessarily seen before. Um, And so as soon as I I listen to video game podcasts in my spare time, as soon as people start dropping words like Game of the Year in the middle of June for an independent title, I'm like, okay, what's all this about then? Um, For people who don't know, um, Neon White is a very weird game to describe. I believe it was announced last year at E3, right? Mm Mm-hmm. 
I know it wasn't even announced last year. It was announced in February 2021. And I remember seeing some cards and I was like, nope. <laughs> um, right. So what you need to bear in mind is it is not a Slay the Spire slash, um, I don't know, any other game that you've ever played with cards game. It is not that type of thing. Um Oh god, it's such a weird thing to describe. It's a first first person game. It is a first person adventure action puzzle puzzle platformer with cards. Right, so it's it's from a guy called Ben Esposito. I know it's published by a a larger company, but his last game, to give you some example, is uh, he worked on Donut County, which I thought was a, a very strange leap of Annapurna those two has things. Published it. Annapurna have oh. published it, yeah, but it is also, I think, the studio that developed it is called Angel Matrix, and I'm not sure what their story is. Angel Matrix. Um, but essentially, Ben Esposito saw speedrunners playing video games and was like, oh cool, I'm going to kind of make a speedrunning video right, game. Um, it's Honestly, I've been playing this game now for about a week since it came out um, on the 16th of June, exclusively on the Switch and Windows, which felt like a bit of an yeah. odd choice to be honest with you. It, it looks, looks a little bit ropey on the Switch, but it plays fantastically. I'm hoping it gets ported to other consoles where the visuals can shine yeah. a bit more. So, if I were to compare it to other games, I can't. E- Honestly, I can't really even wrap my head around it. Like I've tried, I tried to describe it to someone the other day. It's kind of like a free-running game, kind of like Mirror's Edge, but it isn't well, Mirror's Edge. It page, isn't that. Right? And you pretty much you, yeah. you summed it all up. It's a first-person shooter and puzzle platforming game. But instead of having yeah. weapons, you have cards are your weapons, not guns. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so what happens is right. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna throw out all the things. I was like, kind of like Champion Flash, kind of like this. No, it doesn't matter. It is his own thing. What you do is essentially the the core crux of the game is there are these challenges that you have to run through. The story of the game is that you're a demon who's brought up from hell to heaven, or a, a sinner who's brought up from hell to heaven. Because heaven is holding this contest to essentially get you to clean out heaven of all the demons that have kind of slept, crept into heaven. And that there is some concept of like, oh, whoever gets the best score at the end of these 10 days of competition will be crowned someone worth saving and we will bring them into heaven. Um, you get an onigiri, uh, not an onigiri, a uh, Man, my words today are terrible. Yeah, no, it still goes. You get like a a demon only mask put on your face to so everyone in heaven knows that you are from hell and that you should not mix. And how you end up clearing out these demons and how you do the main crux of the game is by these first person, like fast time based challenges that have puzzle mechanics to Mm -hmm. them. So what that means is, essentially, in essence, you are fixed first-person view in a 3D environment where there is a clear goal. It is either to get to the e- it is always to get to the end as fast as possible, 
but in some of them you also have to kill demons and only by killing these demons that are around the level some are actively hostile like ones that will fire stuff at you there are others like these big balloon demons that you have to kind of use to reverse the level but essentially you need to hit all these markers either by killing them or jumping on them or whatever to reach the goal in the required time so it is all time based it is all about racing to the end of these courses which you know for all intents and purposes, are pretty short. Usually, the the best time mark you're looking for a platinum medal is about 25 seconds. So it is really, really fast and frantic. Right, yeah. Where the cards come into play is you are going through these levels, and on the switch, I think it is you're using mainly the shoulder buttons. I'm, of the I'm switch. watching a video now, so, so you, I'm getting this. Yeah, yeah. You're using L2 to jump. You use R2 to fire. But where the game becomes interesting is when you're running around, you might pick up a pistol or an AK, I think, are the two weapons Mm -hmm. available to me at the moment. You start with a sword as well, but it's very slow and it's not very efficient. It's kind of like, oh, shit, I need to solve something very quickly or I need to break an item box kind of weapon. You have a pistol that, you know, as you would expect, is quite powerful but quite slow, and then you have an AK that goes everywhere. Where this game becomes quite interesting is... In these 30-second to minute-long courses, those cards that you pick up take on a secondary function. So where I am in the game at the moment, I've beaten the first 10 levels, is the pistol, you can press right bumper to, instead of to fire shots, rip up the card, which allows you to double jump. Or with the AK, it's you throw a bomb down, which not only can clear enemies you can use to like give you propulsion so you the cards come into play not as like a oh well i need to build a deck no, I, see, I need to I be see. really it's, methodical it's like on how i use this exactly it's it's like any other pickup yeah, in yeah. any other game okay. i think they've just used the language of cards to be like okay this is you know you understand that you pick up a card and you discard a card like that is only the basis of cards and so you're doing that, and you're literally you're running through these levels as fast as you can. And you're like, right, okay, cool. I need there's a red door ahead. I need to throw my AK in front of me so it'll blow the door up. So by the time I run through there, the door's gone. Oh shit! Look at that. There's an edge of a platform. I know I'm not going to be able to reach unless I jump and rip up my pistol card yeah. midair. So it means I need to shoot the demon on that platform first, jump over, and then sacrifice my car mm-hmm. midair. It's really fast, it's really frantic, and it's really enjoyable. Uh, Besides the puzzle, like main parts of the element of the game, there is, I I want to say Hades-esque, because that's what it feels like it's going for, but it also feels like nonary game, like the 999 Mm -hmm. games, like visual novel aspect of like why you're in hell and like why were you sent to hell. And your character's name is White, which is why you're Neon White. There's Neon Yellow, there's Neon Red, there's Neon Violet, and I think the Neon Green are the, the other characters that you can interact with. Um, essentially, White has amnesia. He doesn't know why he is in heaven or why he even died and got mm-hmm. sent to hell. Um, and the other characters seem to know more than you. Yes, they have forgotten stuff about their past as well, but they at least seem to remember right. you. And by replaying these courses actually like once you're done with it once you've got the medal you need you 
can go back into those courses and get gifts and those gifts will allow you to interact more with those characters and essentially delve into theirs and by doing so your backstory there's also some other reasons to replay levels is that the game kind of gates in the same way that mario does with Mm -hmm. stars um your ability based on your like demon slayer Mm -hmm. rank um, and so whenever you get a gold or a platinum medal on a stage, you get one extra level on this thing. I think you start at level 100, and then I think the goal is to work up as high as you can. Um, I needed to be 94, I think, to get past the first like gated part of the game. So I needed to get gold medals on at least six stages. But I, I've gone back and I've been doing them all. I've been not only been trying to get a platinum on each one of those first 10 stages, but also to go in and unlock the gifts, which you can do kind of at your own pace. Some of them are hidden out of the way, and you're like, okay, actually, I'm not supposed to do this level in the same way I usually should. What I should actually do is gather all the pistol cards up, and rather than try and reach the exit, I need to jump three times up to this bigger platform to get this thing. And the game knows that, and so like as soon as you hit the present, it's like, cool, you've done your objective, and it sends you back to the start of the level if you want to do it. It's really enjoyable. The writing is not amazing. The art style, obviously, is kind of catered to the Switch, so there's not. it's kind of got a low-poly aesthetic, which kind of reminds me of Jumping Flash. It isn't quite low-poly, mm. but it's definitely it not like the, speed, the best um, thing you're ever going to see. Visuals. Yeah. Exactly. And then the the drawing style, this, this sounds quite disparaging, but I, I'm not a big fan of the art. It kind of feels like budget yeah. anime slash budget, budget Hades, I've which is a bit of a shame. Well, some looks really cool, yeah. others look a little bit ropey. Yeah, it's, it's not the best. What I can say to you, though, Tom Parry, is that the soundtrack... Is going to be one of my fucking Machine soundtracks Girl, of which all is the time. Title of a Japanese film, if I recall, but it's also the name of a band. Yeah, it is, um, and they describe themselves as fucked up electronic right. punk, which is right up, yeah. right up my alley. It's kind of got like the racy tempo of something, something like a yeah. wipeout. You know, it's it's ticking yeah. that. Yeah wipeout soundtrack box yeah. for me and just like with highly like highly like trancy like and like just every now and again yeah it's just manic like synthy mm. rhythmic right, yeah. lines and then every now and again just like a little bit of like digitized voice okay. thrown in there oh, oh, oh. soundtrack yeah. it soundtrack and games play chef's yeah, kiss yeah. Writing visuals, maybe not the highest, but honestly, the high so bar can, set can by the gameplay. And just play it like an arcade game. You, if if you wanted to, Tom Parry, and I know this mm. speaks to you, you can literally click the Y button to like fast forward through all of the dialogue. I was doing Doesn't that actually matter. In, I don't in think. a fighting game, I was playing. Uh, start button skips it all. All the story, all those it, pictures of characters talking to each other. Ah, oh, bliss. Yeah. Oh, yeah. heaven. Get rid of that. Literally. Yep. But honestly, I cannot recommend this game enough. I can see why people are holding it up for a game of the year. And it's great that, you know, the main factor of the game that's making it so popular with people is its gameplay as opposed to anything else. It's not that, oh, it looks really cool. It's, 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 I mean, I'm sure it does have a a cool aesthetic as well, as you said, but. 
it does have its charm. I can see some people being into that aesthetic. It's just not my it, taste. It's what makes it stand out. Perfect. Yeah. Sounds great. And it's, I think it's £20 on Switch Store, so that's also quite a reasonable price. Do you know if it's just a lot to keep you um, entertained there for your 20 quid? I mean, I have probably played the game like three, wow. four yeah. hours, I that's think, fine. trying to get like top scores, and I'm not even past the first 10 levels. I'm not really deep into it. If I look at how long to, to beat... Gameplay ratio yeah. oh no 100% I mean j even for the soundtrack mm. and just even if you're just going to mm. dabble with this game mm. for a couple of hours I, I definitely think it is worth the cost of entry um, how long to beat tells me that this game is 10 hours and then as if you want to go from completionist it pushes 20 which you know 20 quid yeah it sounds it's value sounds Tom Parry to I don't know if I need to buy another game right now but I'd love to try it that's what I feel. I think you would yeah. really enjoy yeah. this game. I probably would. I probably would. But, but there are several yeah. other things I'm playing at the minute. Uh, I did pick up a game on the eShop yesterday called Spectacular Sparky. Have you seen this? Okay. It's a run and gun 2D platformer with a very appealing visual aesthetic. And I'm really intrigued to find out more about the studio that made it and its development because to me it, it sort of feels like an Amiga game very colorful oh it's yeah. this it feels like a real amiga throwback and it's got uh, british voiceovers in par at least uh so i i think it might be a british studio i was surprised it did have voice i will tell actually, you because you don't expect it i had i had seen the the rabbit the the mascot of this mascot shooter yes they are a uk based development house yeah i thought so they're from Stroud, okay, Tom yeah. Parry. Stroud of Stroud. Yeah. I I know people from Stroud. Um. Yeah. It's it's definitely a a British company. It's definitely got those early. Oh, they made the Angry Video Game. Right. Nerd yeah. game. Freak Zone. Uh, they called Freak Zone Games. They called. Yeah. And I can highly recommend it. It's got a sort of Rystar um, feel about it. It's also quite easy to pick up and play, and it's been really well thought out in terms of its controls. And you know, it'd be it's a run and gun where you have the option to hold down a button and stand still as well, because that that there are certain yeah. things that call for that. It's got a dash mechanic which you can really sort of uh, abuse when fighting the bosses to not take much damage at all so far. I've done the first few levels of the game. Uh, so yeah. I was concerned it would be too hard because I know the Angry Video Game nerd game is difficult. I've played the first one on, on the Wii, I played on the Wii U and I could never get very far with it. But this seems at least a lot more easy to pick up and play. Of course, I love all the character design. Yeah. I think it's a really high level and uh, very appealing to me particularly. Uh, it's got a sense of humour, which is always nice to see. It's got a lot of little details in the uh, graphics as well that uh, I really appreciate. I think the gameplay itself is relatively simple so far. There is a reasonable variety in enemies and uh, they act in different ways. It's like there's big enemies as well, which is, is quite cool to see in a game like this. Um, it's yeah. big and it's brash and there's a, there's a um, sort of a, what do you call it, side-scrolling shooter section as well there may be more of that later okay. on in the game um but everything that is a tight little package that plays really well and uh, it's got a lot of personality and color 
I, I would recommend the game. It's on sale at the minute on the Switch uh, at a discount. So, um, yeah, if that sounds like your kind of thing, check it out. Spectacular I might, sparkle. I might pick it up. Like, I'm looking at images, and as you say, these big mm, sprite mm. enemies look really, really cool. I like the design of the rabbit character Everything as well. Everything animates really looks well, so- uh, and it's a lot of humour. Yeah. Uh, it, it definitely looks like um, a passion project to me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I I picked up one or two other things, but I haven't played them, so I shan't talk about them just yet. I'll leave those for next week. Have you been buying yeah, and playing anything yeah, yeah. else? I've, or? I'm going through an Ninja Gaiden phase. <laughs> okay, good. So uh, I've been I've been collecting Ninja Gaiden games as well as playing them. Uh, it's it's come in tandem with my Dead or Alive collecting playing phase. I think I'm, I'm yeah, and so, so for clarity. Yeah. Before we get into it, you mean Ninja Gaiden is in the right the the three D yeah, yes, Ninja yes, Gaiden the, games, not the uh, NES from ones. The Xbox, uh, onwards, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mentioned Dead or Alive briefly. I've I've given myself the challenge of unlocking every costume on Dead or Alive Two Ultimate. Uh, I must have played fifteen hours of Dead or Alive Two in the last couple of weeks. Wow. Uh, in fact. Mostly that's all I've been playing. You know, when I got a few moments to play a game, I go, oh, unlock a few costumes. Um, yeah. How that works is you can unlock so many on easy, so many on normal, and then up it to, to hard to unlock the last few costumes. It It's such a playable game. Um, but now, you know, I've given myself a goal. I really need to see it through. And it doesn't seem like it's um, going to... It seems like it's obtainable, shall I say. Uh, so, yeah. so I've just got a, a few um, to get on hard now. Um, yeah, it's it's been really fun. And I'll tell you what, on the Xbox Series S, uh, backwards compatible, I actually bought a digital copy of Dead or Alive Ultimate, although I own it on disc. But it, it looks yeah. amazing on the uh, Series S. And I think that game has held up incredibly well because of its graphical style. And when you sort of output that at such a high resolution... Of course, the 2D parts of it, like the character portraits when you're fighting and, and some of them, the timer and things, they're not as high-res as they could be. But the actual yeah. graphics, and I think the HDR is doing something as well because everything looks so vibrant vibrant and sharp, and that game has never looked better. If you're a fan of the aesthetic cool. of Dead or Alive, it, I think this looks good as any sort of modern game coming out with all its fancy graphical effects you can do something relatively simple and it just look yeah amazing so really been, and, and the same can be said about ninja gaiden i mean that has a similar visual presentation you know it's not hyper real it, it, well hyper real might be the right word it's not like super realistic but it's got a, a stylistic uh, appearance it's smooth sharp maybe not so much on the switch but in, in some cases. Uh, I think for the most part, actually, I'll tell you this, I bought the Switch ports and you know, the Ninja Gaiden uh, Master Collection. Yeah. And despite what I've, I've heard online about maybe the ports not being up to scratch, they're fine. Don't worry about it. If you like Ninja Gaiden, these games are okay. very playable. Perhaps they don't look as good as they could do on uh, another console uh, that that collection's available on. Uh, but for the sake of having it portable as well, the Switch port's very competent, and all the games are on the card as well. It's not one of those instances where part of it you have to download to your console. 
uh, yeah, it's all off yeah. the off the cart. So I've been on a real voyage of discovery in terms of uh, Ninja Gaiden, and it's amazing how that game differs from all its different uh, versions. If you play Ninja Gaiden, the original release on Xbox, it's so much different than the first one I ever played, which was Ninja Gaiden Black, again on the Xbox. Yeah. The the direct the art direction the the the, the uh, way from the levels look it's so different from between those two games and then again in um, Ninja Gaiden Sigma it's it's different again so it's so much fun sort of playing through those games uh, and then comparing them. How do they like? Because right, so Ninja Gaiden they released right. Black was supposed to be the harder version was it not well, and then sigma difficulty. i know that black certainly if you look at it from a visual standpoint improves our visual into gaiden um difficulty i'm not sure if black's meant to be harder than the original into gaiden or not sigma is easier i yeah that's because what i that's yeah. what i heard was that like black was supposed to be like really hard and they were like oh actually no this is the opposite way if we want people to play this game well, we should release it i remember one. and i maybe t- told this to you before matt but there's um, the second boss on ninja gaiden black was the only boss i've ever played in a video game that had me shaking you know that it got yeah. me so worked up i did it in the end i persevered with it because the game's so playable so fun to play that you do persevere with games when they're that enjoyable, but that was hard. Playing that same boss on Sigma, it didn't even feel like a boss on Sigma, it just felt like an enemy to a point. And I was like, oh yeah, this is considerably different to what I remember Black being like. And I've never played the original Ninja Gaiden before, but I picked up recently because I was like, I'd like to add it to the collection. I was just so surprised how different it looks from the start. Uh, It's the same with sort of like, even Ninja Gaiden 3, compared to Razor's Edge, which was the re-release that came later on newer consoles. Yeah. Very different in terms of storytelling, cutscenes, uh, gameplay, different enemies, different weapons, different placements. It's it's really quite an interesting thing to experience. Yeah. yeah no, I'm, I'm looking. So, like, apparently Black... This is why I'd remembered that Black was more difficult, was apparently... One key feature of this version is two new difficulty modes, an easy ninja dog and a very hard master ninja. Um, uh, Itagaki added ninja dog, receiving complaints of ninja gaiden being too hard in its default yeah. incar- uh, incantation, although you believe that with persistence any player is capable of competing I, in the I game. I think so, yeah, with persistence, yeah. It's... Yeah. But I... I hate the practice of like making an easier mode of the game. Like <laughs> you're not, and you're not good enough, and so dog. like it mocks then, the player all then... the way through. Yeah, and it mocks you all the way through. Yeah. I mean, it's like um, when you play uh, Wolfenstein on the easier things, and you wear like a baby bonnet. It's just like fuck off. Yeah, you have that. I think it's like, <laughs> like a purple sash around you, a belt when you play Ninja Dog, and it's only yeah. activates if you lose against the first boss uh, about four times or something like that. Yeah, it says uh, playing on this difficulty setting receives coloured ribbons yeah. as accessories, and Ian treats Ryu as yeah. inferior. <laughs> no, yeah, I know what you mean. It's, you shouldn't punish a player for not necessarily being really good at the game, you know. Um, no, exactly. Fuck that noise. Yeah. Like, I hate, I hate that philosophy. I mean, well, it, as you say, it went. It's the one thing when the yeah. when the the uh, director changed and uh, Sigma came out. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh well, it is what it is. I believe it or not, I've never played those games. I was thinking of picking up that it, Master Collection on, for the Switch, yeah. right? I'd also, I'd also seen this also on, yeah, PS4. on PS4. I mean, if you have the choice, if you're not bothered about playing it portably, uh, then the thing is, I've been playing them predominantly on the Xbox Series S because they're in Game Pass right now. But then I thought, yeah. oh, I'd like a physical copy of this. I'll get it on the Switch as an alternative, you know. So yeah. uh, I think if you're going to get it, get one of the more competent consoles, probably PS4 or Xbox or whatever. Probably PS, obviously PS4. Yeah. But. And just for clarification, Tom, how many of the original Ninja Gaiden games are backwards compatible on the Xbox? Oh, I'll tell you now. So the original Ninja Gaiden, what was released on the original Xbox, yeah. is, is backwards compatible on the Xbox 360, not the Xbox right. One. Ninja Gaiden Black is backwards compatible on the Xbox One. Ninja Gaiden 2 backwards compatible on the Xbox One. Um, Ninja Gaiden 3 not backwards compatible on Xbox One. Okay. Math good. Collection so, has all three sounds like... of the Sigma versions. Uh, Sigma 1, Sigma 2 and Razor's Edge for Ninja Gaiden 3. And then all of those are playable on modern consoles. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. So it sounds like if you want to get that and have that upscaled versions you should probably pick up the master like collection the versions i suppose which i think yeah. Are absolutely fine, yeah but they are very different from the original versions so if you want to yeah. find your favorite i can tell you that the xbox one version you know playing them back to compatible on xbox one at least maybe xbox uh one x or series x or series s if you're able to do that yeah um they're gonna. They look really, really good. Uh, I've seen comparisons between how they look in original hardware and then on the Xbox One X, and it's like, wow. Yeah. You know, they look very good. Um, but then again, I, I think the the Ninja Gaiden Master Collection also looks good. I know some people have different opinions about that, but I think it looks very good. I think it looks fine. Very sharp. Very, very impressive. Okay. But that that that's. Um, some of us have said it differs between the games, what you know, how they play, but they play fine on anything, even the Switch. Don't don't worry too much about that. <laughs> Unless okay. you've got the Fair eye enough. of then... uh, a digital foundry member, you, you're not going to uh, have too many complaints about the way these games play. I don't think. Good. Then I'll pick it up on whatever is yes, cheapest. That, that's <laughs> just it. You can no, I'll probably pick it up on get PlayStation. Get physical copies as well, but they're Asian imports. I think they're. Yeah. Yeah. Japan definitely has a physical one of the PS4. That's yeah, what I was I eyeing got up. A, a so Japan one on the Switch. I've got an Asian one. It's got Japan sort of reference code, but I think it's yeah China because it's no. It's pro- it's probably Hong the Hong Kong, Kong slash. I can't remember what the English, name of the releases, finally, but yeah, it? yeah, it's yeah, got it's English. A yeah, yeah. Reference game, but it's English language. Yeah. 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 Yeah, which is how I got my Fist of the North Star, if you remember. I bought that way back when, because that game, when I didn't think that it was going to release in Western Territories, the yeah. the Hong Kong version had English. It's the same with Dead or Alive Extreme so, 3, I think, yeah. had on Switch. That's the Chinese it's Hong the Kong same version. with uh, Judgment. God, I keep forgetting I've got that. I've got that, I've got that international release of um, Judgment mm. as well, before they stripped out the actor. Yeah. Who was playing one of the protagonists? God, I should look at that. I should, I should do a video on that at some point. Anyways, I should, I should play Lost Judgment. Is what I should fucking do. Um, 
Speaking of uh, opinions that might differ to my own Tom Parry, um, I did play a game for a couple of hours last night with my lovely lady wife. Um, one that I have, I had picked up, thought, hmm, does the story of this game really send the right message? Maybe I shouldn't play this. And then it went and won multiple Game of the Year awards. And so I was like, okay, well, if it's winning Game of the Year awards, it must be a good game, right? What if right? Um, it's called It Takes Two, oh, Tom Parry. Uh, a game... That, yeah, a, a co-op game uh, that was released in last year, in 2021, um, by uh, Hazelight, who debuted with A Way I've Out, heard, which, a if way you out. remember, is that prison breaky co-op game that was released a couple of years out. ago. Yeah. I hear A Way Out yeah. is good. Um, a game that's not so good, in my opinion, Tom Parry. Is it takes oh, two? Controversial. I've only ever heard good things. Right. About this one. So, where to start? Um. So I I played this as I said uh, for a couple of hours yesterday with my my wife, who is not a gamer, quote unquote per se. We have actually been having a lot of fun when we had guests last week using the Switch Online functionality. It was the first time I did that. Because we had some younger kids in the house, and they were like, I want to play video games. And I was like, shit, I don't really have that many games that I think I can play with kids. Or in the case of my PS5, I don't have a second controller. So I was like, aha, I know what I'll do. Put on Mario 3, and both of them were like, hate this. And I put on Super Mario World, and then everyone in the house was playing Super Mario World for a week. Which is very interesting to me. I was just like, oh, 3 is the one everyone's going to want to play. No, Super Mario World. I wonder why that is. Um, too old, Mario I don't know. Look old and mario World i is just think colorful. it i just think it's harder <laughs> yeah. is the issue okay yeah, I, yeah. I just think Maybe. like even the, even the difficulty ramp watching like uh, one of the kids was four one of the kids was eight and then uh, their parents are of our generation but don't really play that many video games they were struggling by the time they got to the third world of super mario world they were dying on the first fucking level of super mario wow, 3 that's like that's not a hard level yeah I don't think so, but like as you know, if I think back to my childhood, probably I didn't get much further than I think the third world of Super yeah. Mario Three without using warp whistles. Yeah. So I don't know. I beat the game, but I used warp whistles yeah. the entire time. I think. That's interesting. Did they play Donkey Kong? Anyways, Country? that's a hard game. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna put Donkey Kong Country on for hard. them, but I was like, if they're struggling, no, I'm not gonna, free. I'm not gonna have to sit here and do all the fucking minecart levels for these kids. So I put Super Mario World on, which they really yeah. enjoyed. They, they really enjoyed playing that. And so, with that in mind, my wife said to me, "Oh, we should play more co-op games. I've missed playing co-op games. Like we played through Woolly World, play Skylanders, mm. as mm. long-term listeners know." And so. She's like, oh, we bought Kirby. And I was like, well, actually, I got this out of the library. This one game of the year, yeah. let's try playing it. So dusted off the PS4, put it in. Um, ham-fisted is the way I would describe the story, <laughs> if I'm you totally honest. Story, though, I mean, you kind of oh, do, well, okay. Tom, because it's kind of the narrative well, thing that's pulling it all the way through. Driven, and that has quite a, it's quite a dumb story. But it's quite entertaining. Oh, mate. Like, the, the, the story is essentially that you are you are the parents of a young girl and, like, the first thing is them just kind of being really hostile to each other and being like, oh, you forgot to take it to the dentist. If I, if you weren't working all the time, then uh, maybe I would have remembered. Oh, we're getting a divorce. Ah. Okay. And it's just like, 
it's so I, I get it. It it doesn't want the story to be really like, oh, we need to really get into the psychology mm-hmm. of these characters. We're going to deliver this really, but it just seems like oh, we're getting a divorce. It's just like so not a good it, first impression. It could have. No, it's not a good first impression. Also, the realistic character models look like PS3 things. I don't know. I was just like, hmm, the vibe of this game feels really weird. You get into then the girl is like, oh, no, I bought this book on relationship advice because as every eight-year-old girl does, they go like, yeah, cool, I'm going to buy a book on dating relationship advice. Um, And so... She's crying. She's like, "Oh, doctor, whatever the name of the the author of the Dr. book is. Seuss. Oh, please, like, save my, yeah, Doctor Seuss. Please save my my parents' marriages." And she cries on these little dolls of her parents that she's oh, made to play out her psychological trauma. And then, because she cries on the dolls, Tom, you get you got brought into the dolls. the The gameplay itself is not particularly bad no. i i think the gameplay is fine i think it's challenging though and i i think that is the issue that i'm playing it with someone who's not necessarily even quite comfortable with 360 camera yeah. controls mm-hmm. if i'm being totally honest like it, it's a person who's not grown up the same way that we have playing video games all their lives it she she when i tried to play portal with her she really struggled with portal even though i knew she would really enjoy the sensibilities and the humor of portal She's just not used to controlling first person mm. in a three D environment. Two D sort of setup like you had with Kirby. No, not necessarily. Just even like maybe fixed mm. camera. That's what we did oh, with yeah. Skylanders Sky- and Yoshi, and they were both fine. Yeah. yeah, you just you pick up and play it. Like this game requires Lego not only well. for you. Sorry, sorry to. Yeah, yeah, the Lego co-op games. Yeah, just running around bashing things. So with this game, like it. It not only requires you to communicate, obviously, because it is a, a co-op game. So you're like, okay, right, you need to go up here and you need to do this. But, like, the whole language and the whole makeup of the game requires lots of, like, double jumps and dashes and you going around corners and you running really fast and facing fast bosses and all the... Yeah, there's not really suited to, like, a casual couch co-op experience. And so... With that, with the story just being really weird, like, so when you become these dolls, they they keep bickering back and forth, as you would imagine, these two characters who are about to get a divorce would. But, like, the book becomes like, hey, he's a Latin Lothario, he's a girl thrusty, and he looks really weird. And then where I am is, like, you get out of this basement of the house, and you're like, right, we're going to climb the tree because the tree will lead into our daughter's bedroom. And there's a whole plot once you're in the tree about like militant squirrels who are having a war with wasps, and it it feels tonally all over the fucking place. Like I don't, I don't understand what the tone of this game militant is. Squirrels because it's having a war with wasps. Yeah, these these squir these squirrels like who are like oh we're gonna like they essentially try to torture you to death at the start of it. And they're like, oh, maybe these aren't the bad guys because they keep coming back to life. Oh, we should... It's The storytelling's all over the fucking place. And for, like, the guy from Hazelight to get up and just be like, ah, films are dead, long-live storytelling in video games. I'm like, fuck off, my guy. I've played better indie games that are written by one person than this. <laughs> like, if... just 
there's just the the gameplay is fine is what I'm trying to say. It's not really what I'm looking for in a casual couch co-op right. experience, but we will continue yeah. to play it. The storytelling, everything else, the vibe and the art style, it's fucking all over the place. I don't understand how this one game of the year is so many places. Really, it it baffles me to look at that and go like from I I can understand it winning dice because like I think some of the co- the the co-op things are quite clever in what they do. Some of the boss fights are like okay, you're fighting a giant vacuum cleaner as the first boss, and so there are hoses. So one person has to suck in these flaming batteries that they fire, and the other person has to be on the hose and aim and shoot like quite this creative. thing. It is quite creative in its gameplay, but like everything else around it is, in my opinion, just does not tick any aesthetic box. And like it, you can probably tell, I'm getting quite annoyed by it because I'm like, how the fuck is it this might game? Be on game I don't Pass. understand if it. If it is still on Game Pass, I may just you, I'm interested to see sample it for myself. Actually, check it out. I mean, you, you and you and your partner Claire play more games than we well, do. I don't know about that. So I'm curious to see. Oh, no, but like, I mean, Claire, Claire has a Switch. GTA. Claire actively plays yeah, yeah, video games. Yeah. yeah, I'm curious to see if this is just like a frustration thing for us because uh, my wife Martin doesn't play that many video games, or if it is like, hmm, this is actually quite challenging. But I'm very curious to think, see what you think of the aesthetics. Oh, I great. just think they're I, all I actually, over the place. I'm going to look into this, Matt. Um, I'm cu- I'm curious if you will be able to appreciate it on the the doll man level of like this is terrible oh, cinema man. but i can't oh, get man. enough of these weird choices um yeah okay word of warning by the way <laughs> my microphone yeah. level keeps dropping and i can't get it go higher again um so it's um, fine. apologies uh, to, to hopefully if there's some issues with the sound from my side I mean, to be fair, it's going to be a complete contrast to me getting very irate that it takes two, so yeah, it's, it's I fine. I really don't know what's going on there. I just, before we wrap it up, I just want to say I've been playing Sonic Origins. Um, yeah. I have to say, very solidly put together compilation. I know there's been some criticism that it could be more fully featured. Oh, stick the Math System games on there, for instance, as well. But, you know, you get Sonic 1, Sonic CD, Sonic 2, Sonic 3 and Knuckles. If presented like Sonic yeah. 3 and Knuckles as opposed to Sonic 3 and then Sonic and Knuckles as two separate games. So currently, yeah, yeah. I don't think there's a way just to play Sonic and Knuckles. Uh, oh, okay. So you'd have to play through Sonic 3 in order to get up to the Sonic and Knuckles levels. Oh, that's a Which bit weird. how I'm used to okay. playing it. Now, I could be mistaken. There could be a way of doing it, but so far I haven't found it. Got some good sort of like uh, time trial challenges because you play through the games. Um, it saves your best time for each level. You can go back in and you can replay them and try and better your time. You can jump into whatever stage you want. Yeah. This is really nice. Uh, also, the anniversary mode for each presents them in widescreen as they were for the mobile phone versions of the, the, you know, the re-release Sonic games. It's the first time you've been able yeah. to play Sonic 3 in that format. And it, it's wonderful. The games are really responsive, actually. Uh, if you're concerned about the emulation, then don't be, because it's they play incredibly well. Uh, and what they also yeah. add in here in the anniversary mode is a no-live system. So you don't have to worry about losing okay. lives, which is great, because that's a very old-school mechanic anyway. You know. Um, and then they also add in something called coins. So whenever you do something notable in the game, like get a Chaos Emerald, or get so many rings or something, you get these coins. 
And what they enable you to do, if you yeah. want, you can spend a coin every time you fail a special stage. So if you've got enough coins, yeah. you can replay special stages and therefore get the emeralds. Which I think was a really good idea. <laughs> because uh, some of those special stages can be quite challenging. Yeah. So really nice. So that's the anniversary mode. You can also play the classic modes, which are four by three. And play as mm -hmm. you would remember them playing. Uh, without all the extra yeah. anniversary stuff. But I'm, I'm quite happy playing in the anniversary mode currently. Each game has a animated title sequence, which are really well done, adding the backstory, basically, to what's happening in the game. I think they also have yeah. animated endings as well, so you can play through to get them. The coins you can also spend in a museum to unlock artwork. You also unlock certain artworks as you play through the games, but there's like a premium gallery where you can um, unlock even more, basically. So I think there's quite yeah. a lot there. Um, so I'm, I'm really been, been enjoying the this Sonic Origins collection. I think it's uh, solid. Okay. I'd, I'd seen some kerfuffle. Apparently, like, the devs aren't particularly happy, and apparently there's some bugs Not throughout seen any it bugs. I've seen. It plays so perfectly, okay. but... I mean, I've played Sonic 1 to a point and Sonic 3 to a point, but I haven't tried Sonic 2 yet. As familiar as I am with Sonic um, 2, I, I, I think I'd notice if there's anything, so I will let you know. Yeah. Okay. I, am I also right? I saw something on Twitter apparently about the music ah, being changed okay, for Sonic so 3. Yeah, this is true. I've not got up to the first instance of that yet, which is apparently Carnival Night Zone. Uh, okay. It seems to be anything with sort of vocal samples. That, that yeah. seems to have been changed. And also Ice Cap Zone as well is different. Um, okay. From what I've heard, I say I've not got up to it myself. But the majority of the soundtrack is as you would remember it, but certain levels, certain compositions are different. And I think, from what I know of the Sonic 3 soundtrack, it was a fully formed soundtrack, and then Michael Jackson came in partway through and added yeah. some things and changed some things. Uh, so they ripped out the original composition for Ice Cap Zone and replaced it with something else, you know? So I think what yeah. this game's doing is it's reinstating the original soundtrack. Because there are some... Uh, if you play okay. Sonic 3, you notice there are some differences in the soundtrack. And certain tracks stand out. And I think those are the ones with that extra sort of Michael Jackson involvement. If Michael Jackson was even involved in the game, no one's ever came out and said it categorically well Yuji yes. Naka Yuji Naka did, did. Yeah, but do you not he see this yeah and he, he, his English wasn't very good um, yeah. yeah sure so I, I, it may be safe to say but it's never been officially um, it's never been made official confirmed but yeah, yeah. you only have to listen to uh, some of the tunes to, to hear it to sort of mm -hmm. know that he did have some influence and the reason why I think he distanced himself from the project originally I've heard is because he wasn't happy with um, the music coming out of the Mega Drive sound chip. You know, he made all these compositions. Yeah. I don't know what he expected them to sound like, but coming out of a Mega Drive, yeah. they sounded considerably different than what he'd envisioned. And yeah, yeah, took his name off it. In interesting, <laughs> very yeah. interesting. So um, I really recommend it as a really solid package. Um, to play those Sonic games. I think it's coming a good time, you know, as more people jump in into Sonic. And I say um, that'll be a good one for, for the kids to play, you know. Um, yeah, Sonic's I'm sure. I, I mean, for young kids. Will it, 
would it's it though, hard. Tom? Not, would it be a good game for the kids to play? Hard. I mean, Sonic One could be quite challenging. I think Sonic One's particularly hard. I think Sonic. I think. It, I think honestly, I think going between Sonic One and Sonic Two would be going would be like going between Super Mario Three and Mario World. But let's yeah. see. I mean, I'm not gonna have kids here for a while, so maybe I will just pick up Origins myself and play through some of it and go. Yeah, I don't like these early Sonic games. <laughs> Anyways. Great. <laughs> on that controversial note, let's wrap it up. Yeah, and I won't have to keep shouting um, in the microphone for it to register what I'm saying. Yeah, it's it's okay. I can I can see that you're trying, Tom. The audience <laughs> appreciates it. I appreciate it. I mean, you know, you you're doing yourself a service. I don't mind showing the in our production. No, no, neither do I. I mean, we're very open with my lazy oh, editing no, yeah. style. That's how it goes. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Um, if you agree with Tom Parry, or if you disagree with Tom Parry, you can find us in a variety of places, such as on tomamattack.com, forward slash podcast, on blastprocess.com, in iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. That's the places you can listen at the very least. But if you want to get in touch with us, as we asked at the top of the podcast, you can do so at these places. On the comments, on tomamattack.com, forward slash podcast, on blastprocess.com. On Twitter, at TimaCast, at Gameball for me, at Tom Parry 11 for him. On Facebook, facebook.com forward slash TomAttack. And as I mentioned at the top, at, uh, the email address is TomAndMattAttack at gmail.com. Write us, let us know you're listening, and say, hey, we've missed you, you've been away for a month, or whatever. Or don't. I mean, both are a thing, but, you know, it would it would be nice to finally be like, hello, I'm listening from this place, or that place, or whatever. Maybe, if you have any questions... We'll even throw them at the end of the podcast. I was about that. If you've listened this far, of course. Anyways, Tom, always a pleasure, Absolutely mate. Um, not. thank you so much for podcasting with me. I'm going to go out and um, roast outside One instead of inside. It's going to be great. Go. Is he still still sure. playing for, uh, Sorry, Fortnite. I have fallen off right. Fortnite because, and this is very important. None of the things in the battle pass appealed to me aesthetically, so I was like, oh, I might get Darth Vader, but like, I might, I might pick it up and play it a little bit. I don't think I'll buy the battle pass this time. There's nothing in the battle pass at the moment that I'm like, oh my god, I must well, own this. Though I did see they've introduced more Naruto characters, and I do have enough V-Bucks to buy myself a Hinata or a Kakashi, and so I'm like, ooh. Anyways, I'm just saving to see what comes in the summer. I'm sure there'll be some cool Thor stuff when Thor Ragnarok comes out, probably, so maybe I'll right. dip in then. That's all about the game. <laughs> it does, but it's, for me, like I like the game. It's not about like not liking the game. I just can't... I just hate this whole... Oh, I'm back to level one now because it's a new battle pass, which means I'm going to have to play a lot of Fortnite to get back to playing against good people. To be fair, it will boost my ego a lot to get a lot of victory royales against low-level people, but that's not what I'm there for. Well, until next time. Until next time, everybody. Be sure, as always, to game on. Bye.